Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. Today's coaching call is with Andy, who's calling in from Colorado, USA. And while Andy runs a business that Clay and I know virtually nothing about, he's facing a question we have lots of answers to. Should Andy do his own marketing? He's already working 40 to 50 hours a week in his business, and he's trying to figure out who to hire next, where to find them, and what tasks to assign them. It's a common question for service-based businesses. Should you focus on doing the work for current clients or generating leads and clients for the future? If you're not sure how to balance doing your own marketing with all the other tasks you have to tackle in your business, stay tuned because this episode will be an eye-opener for you. We'll get started after this quick message from our sponsors. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee from Milo.co and joining me on the air, as always, is my good friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey Clay, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Uh, not a lot, although we do, uh, <laughs> this is our second call of the day. We sometimes batch record these and uh, it's just a lot of fun to chat with some freelancers growing their businesses. Right now we have on the line with us Andy, who's calling from my neighboring state, Colorado. Uh, how you doing, Andy? Hey guys, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Good, good. We're excited to have you here. Uh, I'm excited to join. Thank you. Well, good. Yeah, welcome. You, you are more than welcome. Uh, Andy told us he's a listener of the show, uh, so that's always exciting. If you're listening to the show right now and wondering how you can get a coaching call like Andy... All you have to do is visit our website. It's freelance2founder.com. You scroll to the bottom, you fill out a little questionnaire, and we have you on a coaching call. And yes, we're making a podcast episode, but we're also doing our best to just give you our best unfiltered, actionable advice on growing your freelance business. So let's dive in on, on your coaching call here, Andy. Tell us a little bit about your business and uh, what you're working on. Yeah, sure. So I, I'm the founder of a GIS consulting and services company called Platte River Analytics. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with GIS, it's a geographic information system. And kind of usually how I describe GIS is it's a, it's a fancy mapping software. So if you have anything spatial, whether that be um, you know town boundaries or pipelines or trees or whatever it might be, I, my, me and my company, we can we can map any of that type of data. So um, my company, Platte River Analytics, offers GIS services like uh, market research, land mapping. We do a lot of training. Uh, we set up enterprise de- enterprise deployment for companies. 
been doing a lot of interactive mapping and dashboard analysis. Um, and really, our, our goal is to promote development with the utilization of location analytics and spatial business intelligence. That sounds that like... Sounds like- <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Miss, I think Preston and I are gonna say the same thing. Uh, go for it. Uh, I was just gonna say that sounds like a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know <laughs> what it is you're talking about. It, you know, I'm gonna like, say like, that sounds like a bunch of really smart work that I would not be yeah. qualified to assist with. For sure, like you know, when you said that, Andy, I, I, the whole time I'm thinking. So you fly drones? Like, is that what you do? <laughs> I guess I could. And it, it probably sounds a lot smarter than it actually is. And, you know, this is one of those things when you, when your grandma asks you what you do and you have no idea what to tell her. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I just say it's, yeah. it's like Google Maps. That's kind of similar to what I do. I kind of make Google Maps type work. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Like if a, I assume, you know, like if the city wants to to redo, you know, some sewage lines or something, or like uh, uh, they want to put in a big the business development somewhere or something, you help them map out where stuff could go or where stuff already is. Exactly. Is that kind of... Okay, cool. Yeah, exa- exactly right. And just using your example, you know, if a company needs to put in a new sewer line, they might need to know where every single manhole cover is, uh, where every single street intersection is. So a company like mine would go out and, and do a lot of data collection and then provide that data in a format that they can read and maybe provide some aerial imagery so they can get an updated view of what their city looks like. So yeah, anything anything spatial um, is kind of what my company does. I love it. Okay. Cool. That well, makes thanks, more sense. Thanks for yeah, simplifying that for those of us who do not live in that world. I appreciate no it. No problem. <laughs> um, so you keep, you keep using uh, we and our and us. Tell me about your company and your team. Like, is it the royal we? Is it just you for now? Or... Or do you have some people working with you? What does that look like? It's usually just myself. I So kind of how I, I started my company about a year ago. Um, it's been about 10 months ago now I started my company. And okay. kind of my goal, my goal with my company was um, to start out, get clients, and then start hiring subcontractors. Um, and then when the subcontractors got too busy, start hiring full-time employees. So right now, I'm at the subcontractor stage of my company. Love it. Uh, so if, if I have extra work, Usually, it's been 15, 20 hours a week of extra work. Um, I have two or three, sometimes four good subcontractors kind of on speed dial. And I'll, I'll give them a call and say, Hey, you know, I got 20 hours of work this week. Do you mind taking it on? Or, Hey, I got this project. Can you help me with? So that, that's kind of how I'm structured right now uh, as far as getting help. Cool. So it's a full time thing for you, though. Uh, or are you doing yep, it on the side? It is. Okay. It is. It's a full-time gig. Yeah. So I, I worked for a company here in Denver about 10 months ago. I was able to take a voluntary severance package from that company, which gave me um, some good running room to start my own company. I, I have my master's degree in GIS, my bachelor's degree in GIS. I've been doing it for 12, 13 years now. So uh, it, it's something I've always wanted to do is start my own GIS company. So whenever yeah. I was able to take a voluntary severance package, it gave me the running room to, to kind of get going. So it is my full-time, my full-time gig right now is, is running this company. I love that. Cool, we, that's awesome. You know, we talk to so many freelancers who kind of just, I don't know, fall into it, or they just they know they like graphic design, and that's kind of that's like the extent of. Or they maybe they maybe are fresh out of college, which is obviously there's nothing wrong with that. But obviously, you've been very intentional about uh, you know starting a company. Like you, yep. you talk about it differently than we sometimes hear. Uh, y- where yeah. You- and and you know just, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later, but you know I, I I've been thinking about doing this for a long time now. But I I knew yeah. that I would need to have a good social and professional network in place before I mm. started a company. 
I, I knew a lot of my clients, a lot of my work would come from my network. Um, I couldn't imagine starting a company fresh out of college or without a good network because, like I said, that's where a lot of my my work does come from. So, I was definitely strategic, and when I started it, when I when I knew that I would have the the clientele and the people I could talk to and bounce ideas off of, and like I said, having a good professional network for what I do, I don't think would be possible. Um, you know, you know, with without that network in place. I love that you share that because so many people don't want to get a job out of college. And I I actually not I wasn't as maybe intentional as you have been about it, but I I got a job out of college despite knowing I eventually wanted to do my own thing full time. Um and and yeah, the things that I learned about business, about relationships, about sales, about marketing, way more valuable than the stuff I learned in school, which was a good foundation, you know, but but not nearly what I needed to actually run my own business. So it's a, it's an interesting thing to bring up. Like you know, I have recommended to people before, maybe go get a job for a few years, see what the business world looks like. You know, see what what it looks like to manage this kind of project in a team setting or to build a network or like there's all these things you can learn kind of on someone else's dime <laughs> and under someone else's tutelage uh, that you yeah. won't necessarily get on your own. Yeah, th- that, that's exactly right. I, I you know at least I never took any classes in school that taught you how to bid on RFPs or. Taught you how to navigate Upwork or LinkedIn or any of those (laughs) things. And, you know, there's a whole social aspect of it that you really only learn whenever you start working out of college, in my opinion. You know, you can learn a lot in college, but that's the type of thing that you just just have to have first-hand experience, in my opinion. Yeah, almost like like an apprenticeship of sorts. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Preston <clears throat> Preston talked about school being like a a good baseline. I didn't I didn't learn shit. So. <laughs> 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 I'll be straight I'll be straightforward with you man. Like and I I just didn't learn anything. And this is me who got a bachelor's. I'm one semester away from a second bachelor's and I'm also six credits away from an MBA and I have a minor in physics and math. Like so I'm like this is me with that kind of background, and I didn't learn any. I didn't learn anything, but in context of what I currently do for a living. Yeah, <laughs> so. and my my master's and bachelor's degree are both in exactly what I do, and I I, I almost completely agree with you that you know having that firsthand working experience and having a boss and showing up on time and making the meetings that's that's stuff you're not going to learn in college, and yeah, that's just firsthand yeah. experience you have to have you know with your first or second job out of school, in my opinion. Yeah. It's not it's not to dog school at all. Right. Like there's certain professions that you just have to have school. Um like if you want to go be a doctor or or a lawyer or something like that, right? Yep. Like but yep. man, like but yeah, just just what you're saying like business, you know, like eh, I don't know if I really learned that much from from business school in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you might know what you it's might, like you might in learn other countries, how to but... taxes or you might learn how to fill <laughs> yeah. your taxes or something like that. But yeah, there's a lot of just the acumen behind it that you're not going to learn in school that you just have to have to pick up on your own. Well, that's I mean, our our whole business model is built on that honestly. Like we have freelancers come to us because they never learned they learned in college how to design a logo or they learned how to write an article or they learned how to develop a marketing campaign or they learned how to you know, code a website. They never learned how to find a client or how to yep. how to make a client happy or how to bill a client. They they never even learned how to send an invoice and get paid. It's like if you want to be in business for yourself, there's so much to learn outside of the actual skill set you'll use to serve your clients. And and so yeah, I think I don't know what it's like in other countries, but but I think at least in the United States, we 
do a bit of a disservice to our students, uh, not to be on a soapbox or whatever. And, and again, not to trash school either. There's definitely some value in it. Uh, but but we, there is a piece missing, right? Especially when it comes to entrepreneurship and, and building your own company. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I'm sure there are some schools that have an entrepreneur type track or at least classes. It's something I had never taken or even never mm-hmm. heard of in school is you know how to learn to be an entrepreneur, how to set up an invoice, how to do billing, you know, how to how to set up a, a CRM, those types of things. You just yeah, you, you Google and you YouTube. That's that's kind of how I learned <laughs> yep, how to do a lot yep. of that stuff. My I took an entrepreneurship course uh, in college as part of my minor, which was web business, and uh, honestly, like by then, so by then I was running my own online web business, not a huge thing, but a kind of on the side. And it's what ultimately became my business today, seven, eight years, nine, ten. How long ago did I graduate? Anyway, a decade later. And uh, I remember my entrepreneurship teacher who has never owned a business, never run a business. <laughs> and he's like asking me stuff and having me teach the class about things that I was doing in my business. And so at that point, I just like sort of tuned out and it was like, yeah, no, I, you know, I'm good. Right, I'll teach myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then we watched Shark Tank in the class for a little while, and that was that was kind of the extent of it. Anyway, I'm going to get off the soapbox now. We've been we've been going on for a little <laughs> while about this whole school idea, but um, <clears throat> Andy, I, I want to learn more a little bit more about your business, where it's headed, and what hurdles you're facing uh, that we can help you with. So as as listeners of the show, Andy, obviously you know this because you filled it out. But as listeners of the show know, we have everyone who comes on uh, fill out a questionnaire. And part of the questionnaire not only addresses some of the opportunities or hurdles that your business faces, but also has a, a scale of, of a freelance to founder scale, one being freelance, 10 being founder. And we ask everyone who comes on for a coaching call to fill it out and tell us where they're currently at and where they want to be in six to 12 months. Andy, uh, on your questionnaire, you put that you're currently at a two, so very close to just a singular freelancer. Uh, and that you want to be more like a five, maybe about halfway between a freelancer and a founder of a company in the next six or 12 months. Walk us through what a five looks like to you, Andy. What's what's like perfect world scenario in the next six or 12 months for you and your business? Yeah, sure. So yeah, you know, I said I, I started off around a two and I feel like most freelancers probably do where they they do just about 100% of the work. My my goal within the next six to twelve months is to is to hire at least another subcontractor and potentially uh, a, an employee or two. I personally like talking about GIS and mapping just as much as I like doing it. I, I like showing people and companies this is how you could use GIS. This is how your company can profit from GIS. You know, I like when people show me their workflows and I tell them, oh yeah, this is exactly what you should be doing with your with your mapping or your spatial work. So I I would like to to take on more of a business development role within my company and and hire employees and subcontractors contractors to do a lot of the more manual work. Um, so I I'm always going to have work in my company where you know a, a client wants me to make a half dozen maps and wants me to you know map all of their oak trees on their parcel whatever it might be. That's the type of work I would like to start outsourcing and do like I said do more of the business development work. Find cool. the clients. You know, you know, do a lot of the the you know, interacting with the clients. I guess is mm. kind of what I would rather be doing. Honestly, that's like the the I think personally the best way to think about it. Um, I don't know, yeah, play your I take, agree. but like this idea of you focusing on business development while other people are focusing on the day to day. You know, in in web design or whatever, we would call it like the day to day pixel pushing. 
the 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 little things that need to happen, but you don't necessarily have to have your hand on them. Right. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant, or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Okay, so if that's so if that's yeah. what it looks like in six or twelve months, in an ideal scenario, you've got you know some people working for you. You're doing most of the business development and sales. You're doing most of the client finding. What's uh, what's standing in your way? Like what's what's a hurdle we can help address over the next half hour or so? Sure. Something that's standing in your way to to get you to that point. Yeah, sure. And I, I, having you know listened to quite a few of your guys' podcasts uh, in the past. The situation that I'm in, I, I think, is not unique at all. You know, I, I would say my biggest hurdles are marketing and building a brand, um, and both those as it relates to actually finding more clients. Um, so, I guess my biggest questions are, you know, should I spend my time and money on marketing tactics like Google Ads? Should I be spending more time on LinkedIn using Sales Navigator to find clients? Um, so really just about building a brand and actually finding clients and finding more work and projects, I guess, is my biggest hurdle right now. Okay, I love this. That's a... Yeah. Preston, you want to tackle this one? <laughs> no, go for it, Clay. I've, if, I mean, if I'm hearing you right, Andy, it's like, which platforms do I use? There's a million choices exactly. for marketing. Yep. How do I... Which platforms do I use yeah. to, to bring in some leads? Sorry, Clay, take it away, man. Yeah, this is actually a pretty common question among all business owners. Um, doesn't matter what you do. It's like, oh, where should I be spending my time in marketing and sales? Like, should I be doing like hitting up 
DMs and LinkedIn? Should I be doing Instagram? Blah, blah, blah. Like the the fact is, and and this is and I'm answering this because this is what I actually like, this is how I make most of my money. Is every single business needs to build out what I call the marketing machine. And so what that I I compare it to like a car. And so what what you're describing is is like you're talking about LinkedIn DMs or like uh you know should I be doing like this thing or this yeah. thing or this thing like what you're doing is if we if we if I use the analogy of a car you can have a garage full of car parts and they're all you know they could be good parts they could be bad parts but the fact is they're spread out all over the floor and the fact is is that because they're spread out all over the floor you're not driving that car out of the garage and so a lot of people treat their marketing the same way they 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 have this car part over here they have this they they you know they try it they do this it didn't work they'll they'll try this other part over here it doesn't work or it might work or whatever but the fact is you got to have all you got to have a lot of these things in place and they have to communicate together so what does that mean it means you need to have a website design that that actually that's actually designed to convert like you have sales pages you have you know you have certain funnels um, in place, you have to have email marketing in place. You got to have your social media content strategy in place. You got to have your ads game in place, um, and then like that kind of stuff just kind of happens in the background once you have it all built out and it's all communicating together. Um, and that's your car. Now, there's going to be some things that you got to do that even though you have your car, quote unquote, built out, that you have to do for maintenance, right? And so, um, so like even though if you buy a car, you got to get oil changes. You got to change out the tires every so often. And so, what are those things? So, the, those things, in my opinion, are reviewing what your marketing machine is doing, like making sure things are working, um, tweaking things as you go. It might also be things that you do on a manual basis. So, that could include hitting up people on LinkedIn, like messages and just things like that that cannot be, in my opinion, automated. And so that's just kind of like like I could I could do like ten episodes on this entire thing about <laughs> the marketing machine, but like that's just kind of a thirty thousand foot view of like how this should be done, in my opinion. And and you can either like every single business needs to do this. And people always ask me, well, you know that that sounds very expensive. Yeah, uh, it, every single business needs to do this. You either going to pay for it with time on you figuring out and doing it yourself or you pay for it with somebody else doing it for you, which could be very expensive, but it saves you a ton of time. So I don't know. That's kind of my 30,000 foot view of of that, my answer to that question. And Clay, Clay, don't you have like a, don't you have a course or a challenge or something that people can follow along to build their own marketing machine Something uh, or other? Yeah, I I wasn't going to mention this because I don't I don't want to be self promotional. No, but, I, that's why um, I'm telling you to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, it. well, I mean, I'll mention this, but honestly, by the time this thing airs, it's going to be closed. Like the window is going to be closed. So this is only a benefit for you, Andy, if you want to join. Um, but I have a thing called the 90 day marketing machine. You can actually build out this entire thing yourself, and it's like complete step by step walkthroughs on how to do this. And you could do it in three months, and so uh, you and I could talk about it afterwards. But yeah, I like I. The only way to get an invite to join this program is you got to attend 
a live Zoom Q&A session that I'm having next week and the week after. And then that's it. I'm closing it. And so, yeah, I, this is something that I do for a living and, and um, every business needs to do it. So Andy, what's, what's resonating on your side of the conversation there? What are you hearing from Clay and what, what jives with you know, where your business is headed or what questions are you left with after what Clay mentioned? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Clay, that makes a, a whole ton of sense. And I, I guess my, my question to, to your, your answer is, I, I typically have 40 to 45, maybe 50 hours uh, a week of, of actual work that I have. And so a lot of times it's hard finding time to creating the email marketing, using Sales Navigator, cold calling, cold emails, flyers, that type of thing. A lot of times it's just not having enough time to actually do that work. Yeah. Um, so do, do you guys yeah. recommend, you know, working with small companies, you know, trying to hire somebody off of say like Upwork or uh, LinkedIn um, to kind of help you do that type of work? Mm. Yeah, this is classic like feast famine cycle problem. And, and mm-hmm. maybe we're kicking some dead horses here on the show today, but th- this stuff is so prevalent in, in the world of freelancing and scaling a service-based business. When, when you face feast famine, the feast famine cycle, everybody who I've ever coached or helped who's facing the, the feast famine cycle. So, you know, plenty of work one month, not enough work the next month. Um, or, or like not being able to scale up past a certain point, feeling like you're hitting a ceiling is, is primarily because of the same thing, which is you hustled, 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 got a bunch of work. And now there's so much work to do. You don't have any more time to do business development. Right. And so, and yeah, so what you're saying is like after 50 hours of work in a week, I don't have the time or the energy or even maybe the desire to to try to get more work because it's just like, yeah, if I did get you it, get what am I going to do? And I also just don't have the energy to do it in the first place, which I don't blame you. 50-hour weeks are long. Yeah, so, especially especially with three kids at home. Um, oh, yeah. It makes it even more difficult. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of that age-old question where I already have 40 hours of work a week if I got more, then I'd have even more work trying to find the right subcontractor and do an extra <laughs> right. building. And so part of it, do I even want more work, right? And that's kind of part of like scaling your your company is is that question is how, how much yeah. more do I want? Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with staying smaller if you want to stay small. However, if you want to scale up and grow, you know, a six-figure, seven-figure business, you're going to need to to either outsource the the work that you're doing, the 50 hours of, of actual work that you're doing, or you're going to need to outsource the business development side of it. You can't keep up with both. You just can't. Right. So, um, so, you know, we've, we've recommended both, uh, on this show, depending on the person's situation. I don't know which, which sounds more exciting to you to continue to do the, the mapping work or to continue to, or to do the business development work. I mean, if you had to pick one, which would it be? Probably the business development work. Um, yeah, you know, and honestly, maybe this is a bit of a cop out. Honestly, whatever makes me the most money is the work that I'm. I want to continue doing. So if that means yeah. I hire someone to do the mapping work and I take the business development work, that's perfectly yeah. fine. If I hired out the business development and the sales work and I kept doing all the mapping work, that would be fine too. So either way, honestly, whatever would be better for the company would be would be my 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 choice. That's not a comp. That's not a no. cop out. Like that's no. that's what I tell people all the time. You need to be spending your time doing the things that makes you the most revenue. No, that yeah. you know what that answer tells me, and it's a it's great, it's fantastic. It tells me that you're an entrepreneur, not that you're like mm-hmm. you know. We talk to we talk to. This happens especially in creative fields, and and I know yours is maybe a little less on the creative side. Um, 
but this happens all the time with creatives and artists. They're like, well, I just, I just want to like make really awesome stuff. And that's fine. But you're not thinking like an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur doesn't design logos. An entrepreneur like, like says, how do I get more revenue in the door and grow the business bigger? And, and so, you know, it's all, about, it's all about your own personal taste. But since you've said that you, you, know, you would rather do whatever brings your company the most money, that just tells me that you are first and foremost an entrepreneur. So I think that's exciting and good, a good place to be. Good. Yeah, I, I would, uh, I, I think we had a very similar episode with Bobby Macy. Um, I, I think Bobby Macy, so we had him on, uh, and his, I think, Preston, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a big part of that conversation was like, was time. Um, yeah, that sounds right. And yeah, very similar. And so what I would recommend doing if I were you is I would just look at what you're doing every single day and like literally log it. Mm-hmm. Because you would be surprised on how many things that you do that somebody else could just do. Right, right. And so I mean, I'm even talking like the smallest things. Like, for example, uh I I don't manage my own email. And that might sound super crazy to people, but and I used to think that too, but I, I just don't I don't manage my own email because I realize that I get like a hundred emails a day. Like literally maybe seven, eight of those actually require my actual physical fingers to reply back. And so my my assistant handles this. And so if it's something that she can either forward to somebody else on my team or she can actually handle it or whatever, like that, it's it's like 90 something percent of emails that I don't actually need to do. Somebody else can do that. And you could do this for like, I bet if you just log and just log all the tasks that you're doing, you could probably come up with like a, like just a ton of things that you don't physically have to do. And so that's what I would recommend is just do that. And that's, that's everything. That's administrative tasks. That's marketing tasks. Um, even, even project tasks. And so if you can find somebody else to do those things, you're going to free up so much of your time where you can just do business development. And, 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 and you can build out this marketing machine. I, I would say on the marketing thing, and I'll, uh, this is the last thing I'll say on this, on the marketing machine stuff, it, I, think it's, I think it's fine if you want to go hire somebody like a freelancer to do these things. The, the issue is, is that you got to have a plan that, like, you, in my opinion, you can't just go and find somebody to do like email marketing or like just Facebook ads and just say, hey, I need you to do Facebook. Like, you have to know in your head or, or even on paper um, what, what that person's doing as part of a piece of the entire puzzle. Instead of just saying, I think this is a mistake when people do this. Like if they're going to go hire somebody for Facebook ads, they think, okay, I'll just hire this thing, this guy for Facebook ads and hopefully I'll get some business out of it. And then whenever they say, oh, it's not working, then they, then they quit doing it. But the reality is it's part of the big piece of the puzzle. It's part of the car. And so if, it's not, if you're not thinking of it as part of the car, it's not going to do you any good. So um, that's just my tip. If you're going to outsource these marketing tasks, um, you just got to think of it as part of the card, not just like this one-off thing and see if it works. Yeah, that was actually... You uh, You kind of answered the question I was getting ready to ask is 
where or how do you hire those types of people? Where how do I know that you know this is the right person for marketing? This is the right person for email? Is there is there a certain site you guys recommend? Is it is it LinkedIn? Is it just from your network? You know, where where, where do you find the right freelancers to help you kind of scale your business? I think it's a pressing question. Honestly. Well, yeah. Let me let me um, let me. I think we're we're gonna have some good answers to this, but let me ask before we answer. I feel like we've maybe jumped back and forth. It's like. Are you looking to hire a marketing salesperson, or are you looking to hire um, a mapping <clears throat> a mapping person? I, I know you. I know you said whichever brings you the most money. So, I, so I get right. that it could go either way, but I think the answer I, is different depending on who we're talking about. Sure. So, I, in my opinion, it'd be easier for me to hire a marketing person rather than a mapping person because I can do the mapping, but I can't do the marketing nearly as well. So, okay. if I hired one person, it probably would be on the marketing side of things. Okay. Yeah, so so for me, it's uh, honestly the most success I've ever had has come from hiring people within my own network. And if I had to guess, Clay would probably say it's similar on his end too. Um, so that yeah. I mean, that would be like first and foremost. Ideally, you know, since you're in this space, you could find someone who actually understands your industry. Like Clay and I are are great marketers, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Uh, but uh, you know, we wouldn't know anything about your industry, so we could come in and tell you like, here's what a good Facebook ad looks like. But we couldn't tell you like how to connect with the kind of target audience that we'd have to do a ton of research to even get to that stage. And so, mm-hmm. I would start by seeing if there's anyone in your industry, particularly who who does who also does marketing, like who understands the mapping stuff but okay. also understands the marketing side. I know that can be really tough, but within your own network, right. that can sometimes be a little bit easier. Right, um, right. If you don't feel like you have the kind of network, I know I know you're a network guy, so my guess is you have people or you have people who know people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But like, if not, then I, I, I would start with sites like, like Upwork. Um, I know in some industries can be really terrible, but can be really great in other industries. So it just kind of depends. I obviously don't know yours specifically, but that would be maybe a good place to start and see, um, you know, if there's any overlap. I think that's really going to be the key is like the overlap between what you do in your work versus like someone who just is a generalist marketer. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, Yeah, go, go ahead, Clay. Yeah, I uh, hiring is so difficult in my opinion. I agree with Preston. Start with your internal network. Ask for people um, who know people with a certain skill set. Um, that's the first and foremost place that like that's that's where I start. Um, if you can't find it from there, um, then you go to places like uh, Upwork or Solid Gigs. Or um, I've had pretty good success with it, Indeed, and. Um, you know, you just go from there. Like the fact is, is that you're going to have to get a lot. Uh, like if you're going to hire somebody off the street who you don't know, um, like for example, through Indeed, um, you know, if, if you're going to look for a very specialized skill set, you're going to, you need to look at something like solid gigs or Upwork. Um, but if you're going to hire, you know, if you're going to basically get somebody off the street, quote unquote, that you don't know that wasn't referred to you, I, I think you're going to have to get a lot of applicants and you're just going to have to do a really good job yeah. of pre-qualifying them. Um, like one of the things that I do is in the description, I say, you have to submit a one-minute video to me to just tell me why you think you should be hired. And that's going to... I don't know. Like You can do this if you want or not. Um, but that saves me a ton of time because out of 100 
resumes, only like five will actually do the video. And so to me, what that says is this person actually like took the time to read the actual description because a lot of times you get people who just copy and paste some shit and they're doing that in high volume. And so to me, that's like attention to detail where they, they actually paid attention and actually read the thing. Right. Um, and then they actually wanted so, it enough to like take the extra yeah, effort. Take the time. Yeah. 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 So like anybody else, in my opinion, who who didn't who didn't fill out the video or submit the video, like I don't even read the resume. I I just mm-hmm. they're disqualified. I think that's actually um, a really yeah. good thing to bring up, like that the numbers game thing. Like when it's from your own network, I swear it takes like one or two people and you find someone. Yes. Uh, but when yeah. when it's outside your network, when it's basically like cold hiring or whatever you might call that recruiting. Yeah, you you need way bigger numbers because there's going to be, you know, 90% of them are not even going to be a close fit. And then of the 10% that are left, you know, 1% of those people are going to be people you actually want to consider. And so I I guess uh, maybe I should have brought this up. I've used, and full disclosure, they have in the past been a sponsor of the show. They might be a sponsor of this episode. I I never know how the timing works, but I've used um, LinkedIn Jobs before to post a job uh, okay. that that's really cool because then you can target certain industries certain skill sets um, and you know there's like I don't know I don't even know how many millions of people on on LinkedIn job on LinkedIn and so you know that that could be a really cool opportunity zip recruiter um, is who I think maybe has sponsored the show in the past sorry for all the disclosures uh, zip recruiter also does something similar where you can post a job and it'll send it out to like hundreds of job boards it'll kind of uh, disperse it out there, and that's a good way to to get those numbers we're talking about. Because you do you do have to get like a certain number of applicants, but then do something like Clay's saying to save yourself the time, where it's like you know put this in your cover letter or send a video or whatever to to really weed out all the all the stuff you don't want. Right. Yeah, I I, I yeah. do like the the LinkedIn uh, pitch there because I I enjoy that you can you can see the connections of your connections. Yeah. Um, so you know if if it's a you know. This person's also connected to your other friend. You can reach out to the other friend just for you know a quick referral or hey, have you yeah, worked with totally. this person in the past? So that's what that's one thing I do really enjoy about LinkedIn. Yeah, so like LinkedIn Jobs has worked. Actually, I have someone on the team right now. I found it through LinkedIn Jobs, um, but also just posting on LinkedIn. I I have gotten so many like a couple of times I've needed just like a writer to fill in or something, and I'll just say, hey, does anyone know someone who uh, is a writer who also has experience in you know freelancing or whatever? And I swear I'll get like 20 DMs from people who I know who actually care about me and my business saying like, hey, I've got this person that could probably help you out or whatever. So that can be a really powerful thing too, especially it sounds like you're a network guy. So it sounds like you'll have people who genuinely want to help you out. Yep. Yep. I agree. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Can I make Mm -hmm. uh, one more suggestion? Uh, Clay, when you started your uh, agency uh, in Little Rock, didn't (laughs) didn't you like poach a salesperson from another agency or something? <laughs> yeah. Or how, how did that go down? That Was that uh, a bad so way to it, say it? <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's a true way. <laughs> it's, not, it's not any less true. Um, yeah, so no, no, no that, that, that's exactly what happened. I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't specifically go out and say, I'm going to poach this person. Um, but what happened, the story was is that uh, um, I... So I was actually by myself at the time as a freelancer. And I went to this no, this local networking event. I think it was at the Chamber of Commerce there. Um, and there happened to be two other uh, people from two different agencies who w- were all at the same event. And I met them. And I was like, 
okay, I'm I'm currently looking for people. Um, and so long story short, I ended up I ended up hiring uh one of them. Uh just like we we just got to talking. I like this person. I ended up hiring her. Um and uh again, long story short, she ended actually she ended up being my business partner in the agency after a while. And she's actually the one that I sold my agency to, um, uh, you know, like four years later. And then the other person that was there, she was our first hire. So after I hired this person, I hired the other person like two months later, and she ended up being um, a salesperson. And then she got into some other roles. And so, yeah, I, I totally snatched them from other companies. Thanks. And, and I think I bring that up, Andy, because you know, you've been in the industry for a while. Obviously, you don't want to burn any bridges, but there may be people at companies you used to work at or companies you're familiar with who are doing marketing or doing biz dev or doing sales or doing any of these other tasks that you could reach out and say like, hey, I'm starting this new thing. You know, if you're looking for a career change or whatever, maybe you know them personally, that could be a cool opportunity too. Okay, yep, that's a that's a good piece of advice. All right, we've been talking a long time, Andy. What uh, what is left? We maybe have you know five or ten minutes here left on your call. What have we not talked about that you want to make sure we address in your coaching call today? You know, I I think everything I had in my mind we we talked about. You know, really my biggest challenge, you know, being a small business owner was you know where to meet and find clients. You know, and a lot of that is you know do you add on more marketing? Do you do you take on more work? Do you find someone to help you? Um, you know, and really the probably the biggest issue with my company is how specific it is. So only certain companies or only certain people will actually need GIS consulting or services. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really as easy for me just to cold call a company or drop off flyers at an event. You know, I kind of have to be yeah, very yeah. selective in, in who I look for and whatnot. So, But the the tips and tricks you guys gave me today, I think will go a long way in kind of uh, helping me bridge that gap. Can I can I add one thing? Since since your, your industry is so specialized, um, what I would recommend doing is finding four or five other businesses who you share the same target market, but you mm, do different yeah. things. Okay, that's and a great idea. That that could be complementary, or it could be something completely different. But if it's complementary to what you do, that's even better. And, and this is a long process. Okay, you're not. This is not going to happen overnight. But if you can find four or five of those. Uh, so, like a really simple example is if you're a website designer, and you you can partner. I say partner, like you partner or get to know, collaborate an IT company, right? So that's a very that's a good example. Or a photographer with a videographer, right? Um, so if you can find four or five of those relationships and you nurture those relationships, and and it's a genuine collaboration. Those four or five people are going to send you all kinds of business. And and I would argue if you have like five of those types of relationships, that's almost all you need to bring in all kinds of business. And so, like, for example, I I have one, I have, I have, I think about four or five of these, but there's one really strong one. Uh, where I get three to four new clients every single month, almost guaranteed, all because I developed this relationship. But it takes time. It takes time. Right. That's a good. That's a good piece of advice. I I, I think that's a really good idea. 
Yeah, like if you can find if you can find a service where every time a client needs that service, they also need yours. I mean, that's that's golden, you know. And then you just and and vice yeah. versa. Every time someone needs your service, they also need this other person. Then you just refer back and forth to each other. It's a mutually beneficial relationship, and you're both you're both in business. Gotcha. Yep, yep. I like that. That's a that's a great idea. Yeah, there's there's uh, that. So th- what I just explained is, uh, and what Preston just noted on, um, that's what I call a collaboration partner. So like, you you reciprocate, right? So they send you business, you can send you also send them business. But there's also something called a di- what I call a distribution channel, and so a distribution channel is somebody that's very similar to this, but they do not expect anything from you, right? It's and it's and all they're looking for is for you to take care of their clients, and that's it. Mm. Like, if you can just do that, they're totally happy. They're not expecting a one for one kind of reciprocating business trading, like referrals. To me, that is the ultimate relationship if you can find it, because all you got to do is take care of the referrals they send you, and then they're perfectly happy. So, yep. That that's the ultimate one, but that th- those are hard to find. Well, good Andy. I think I think this has been a good conversation today. Hopefully it's it's had some uh, actionable advice in here for you, some yep. real value that you can take uh, to your business and we'd love to follow up in a few months see how you're doing. Um but is there anything else you want to chat about before we wrap up today? I don't think so. No, that's ex- that's exactly what I was looking for. You know, just uh, like I said, a few pieces of advice and some tips and tricks that I can take going forward. And, um, and I, I think it's a really good call. And I, I, I learned a lot today. So I, I, I thank you guys as well. Great, man. Well, we really appreciate you uh, being on the call. Yeah. It seems to me like you're well on your way. Uh, you know, you got a good head on your shoulders. You, you know where you're headed. And um, you've been very methodical about it. And I, I, I'm sure you'll continue to do that. And I'm sure your business is, is going places. So congrats and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks Thanks for coming on. Yep, you bet. Thanks, guys. All right, All right take care. All right, you too. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of The Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time. See ya.